When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This week on Barca Talk, the club held a touching ceremony to bid farewell to Andres Iniesta, only to be followed the next day by an awkward unveiling ceremony for the new kit. We read some of your responses to our question from last week about Mina. Barca B got three more points, and as the women are getting into the Copa de la Reina, we spoke to an FCB Femini expert, and we break down some moments from the final La Liga match with Real Sociedad. Let's talk. Hey everybody, welcome to Barca Talk. Brian Henderson here, coming to you from Buffalo, New York, and joining me from Madrid, Spain, is Gabriel Quiroga. Brian, Brian, my Barca brother from another mother. Our last episode for the season. Last How are you feeling? episode of the season, episode 79. We made it. We got we here. We did, we made it. I'm feeling so a little feeling? down today, honestly. Yeah. I think it's related to Iniesta leaving. I think I'm like, you know, feeling those emotions. I think uh, the fact that I can only hear out of one ear still is bothering me. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, we just finished the semester at school. I gave my final for the class I was teaching on Friday. And so now I'm looking ahead at the summer and I have very little, very few obligations, I should say. And so then all the fatigue, all the sleepiness of the semester that I've been putting off, I think is, yeah. is crashing down on me. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm, you know, I feel the same way as well. A little, little sad about the Iniesta thing, obviously. Um, you know, I, I, I tweeted something uh, this week because, you know, how they had the video of all the players watching the Iniesta highlights with them, you know? And I said, uh, the last time I cried this year was this video with Iniesta and the movie Coco. I don't know if you've seen the movie Coco. That thing is. I didn't see that. Oh my god! It's it's a Pixar or you know one of those animation movies, and it just it's trying to like help kids with dealing with death, and it's just like the ending is just like you think about your own relatives and stuff, and you're just like ah, you just you know cry. So those Aww. two, yeah, yeah. So those two feelings, I you know feeling this week with all the Iniesta tributes and farewells and and so forth, and you know. Like you said, he was the person that introduced you kind of to Barcelona that you kind of hung your hat on. And for me, you know, I've I've watched him throughout the years, but it's just crazy. It's just 22 years with the club. It's just, you know, more than half your life, you know? Yeah, and I just, I look at the current climate and sure, a player like him only comes along once in a while, once in a great while, no matter what. But also to have a player like him with that kind of devotion to one club. And of course the club has, I think, treated him very well also. That's yeah, why he yeah, stayed yeah. the entire time. It's not out of pure pure devotion on his part, but 
just to see that kind of that level of commitment to one club from your youth all the way up until the future. I mean, I, I noticed the other day at the uh, the institutional farewell that they had in the uh, in the in the arena about, you know, people asking him, will you come back? Might you come back? What will you do? And they uh, they asked Bartomeo about that. And he's like, well, he has a hi- he has a lifetime contract. He's <laughs> he's welcome back anytime. And of course, Chavi was there also. So already there's the the I, I think someone actually asked about it. It's like the wheels are spinning, you know, Chavi, yeah. head manager, Iniesta assistant or Iniesta on Barca B and the two of them kind of like working together like or or vice versa who knows right yeah 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 dreaming's free right um, yeah dreaming is free it is free you know i was thinking why you know obviously iniesta is super talented and all that, but why do we have this super connection with iniesta xavi and messi and i think you know one of the things you know obviously they've been in the club for a long time la masia so obviously we have that connection with them you know because we've seen them develop grow and all that stuff but i also think because they just look like normal guys i think that's another reason why we all kind of romanticize that that could be us playing you know and so you know iniesta right he's not the tallest guy he's not the strongest guy not the fastest guy obviously super amazing on his dribble and passing but just as a physical specimen right you just look at him he looks like a normal guy that you just see but it's just he's awesome right and so you can just kind of really see yourself i mean i do a lot of times just I could see myself doing that a little bit, you know, I could do that a little bit. And obviously I realized I cannot, but I think that's part of the, uh, <laughs> that's part of the, the lure, you know, of these three guys um, that have, you know, not only won so many trophies for us, um, their ability, their talent, and also they're just like all around great guys. I mean, obviously we don't know them. Great guys is from what they perceive in the media, you know? So. Yeah. yeah. And about him, especially, you know, like the, the farewell for him, I think, is the one that I've heard the most, the the greatest number of people saying like he's just the um, an amazing person. He's not just an amazing footballer, but he's also an amazing human being, and you know, humble and a person who more than anyone embodies all of the Barcelona values, including humility. You know, I totally agree, and and you see that every time. You know, in the last four years when he travels around in Spain the respect he gets from other crowds. I mean, you just, you don't see that with any other player. I mean, I've never really seen that with any other player in any other league that I followed, you know, Um, maybe Michael Jordan was the closest and that's because he was so popular with other teams uh, fan base, but there's nothing that really compare. I mean, you think about, I think about in England, there's no player that goes around and gets this kind of standing ovation from other fan bases, you know, basketball, American football, nothing. So Iniesta is definitely one of a kind. And, you know, I'm going to miss all the passing that he does, all the movement and everything that he brought and all the titles that he won for us in the last 22 years. Well, you know, 22 years as a career, but obviously the last years that he's been playing for the senior team. Right, obviously. And, you know, just this last week, I learned a new term for this move that I've seen him do many a time. I've seen Messi do it a lot of times. And I finally learned the name for it is La Croqueta. Yeah, La Croqueta. Very good, Brian. Very good uh, pronunciation. Ah, oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of the tapa. <laughs> can't singularize tapas. Just, but I'm, I'm a big fan of the croqueta yeah, yeah, food. Yeah. But I'm also a big fan of the... Of La Croqueta move, move yeah. and it's such a what I love about it is it's such an Iniesta kind of move and he does it he did one today and I and I said ah there it is I know yeah. the name for that now and I realized yeah he does that all the time it's like a signature move of his and what's so him about it is how 
technically it's it's super simple and the idea of it is very simple and in theory the uh, the movement of the ball and the feet is fairly straight ahead it's just all about speed and doing it really quickly and and accurately so it's like a fundamental kind of thing it should be like it's easy in concept mm-hmm. and it's difficult in practice to do it quickly and super accurately again and again and again and that's exactly what he does yeah especially on that sideline where he used it a lot you know that's that's where it was a killer uh, I mean, it's a hard move because, yeah, you can do it a bunch of times, but timing it against a defender, especially a defender who knows the movement of you. Um, and yes, it makes it look so simple um, and so graceful. That's the other thing, you know, and everyone knows it's about to come and he still is able to maneuver. I think that is always the hardest thing when you know the move is going to come and you can still execute it with success. That's just a great move. And he loves to do that. There's obviously on YouTube, you can see all those highlights and Oh my God. I'm watching the, I have the farewell on right now. Luis Suarez is crying. I mean, Jesus Christ. I'm going to have to turn turn this off. It's like, geez. (laughs) You know, I was checking the Reddit thread for the match, uh, right, right when Iniesta was coming off. And a lot of the comments I was seeing on the, uh, on the thread were, I'm not crying. You're crying. (laughs) (laughs) Shut up. I know. I mean, because we as men cannot cry. Yeah. Yeah. We can't be in touch. No, but it's, as I said before, in that movie, uh, Fever Pitch, the real one, not the fake one with the Boston Red Sox, the real one about Arsenal, it really dissects, you know, our relationship with the sports team because it's nothing that we, there's nothing in our life really that we love as much, as long as much, you know, and something that is as stable, right? I mean, this is a team that's always going to be in Barcelona. It never is going to leave us, basically. We have ups and downs just like any other relationship. And, that's why it's just super difficult, right? I mean, this is the thing. I mean, I don't know Iniesta, but I just feel like, you know, it's just super sad. I've never felt this way about any other player that's retired from my team. And I don't know if it's because I kind of have the same age as him. And so for me, it's like definitely just the end of an era, end of any professional sports dream that you've ever had. And that's it. It's it's closed, you know? Yeah, and actually this is very much for me like the end of a chapter because, you know, Chavi was my my main guy and then Iniesta was – he's kind of like my number two. I remember being very emotional when Chavi left uh, – what was that, two years ago now? Yeah. I remember being very emotional for that. And I, w- I was – I was pretty I was pretty emotional on Friday especially because you know they have the videos with everyone saying the stuff and the and the, you know the music and then yeah. all the all the conversation and it's interesting also how they made even an even bigger deal out of Iniesta leaving as they did over Chabi leaving which they made an even bigger deal over Puyol leaving before that and I'm just wondering I'm looking at this the, the, this cast and I think Busquets well Messi is going to be the next one right but like how much more mileage can the club get in terms of public relations out of these these big institutional farewell ceremonies? Because I, I don't think that once Busquets and Messi are gone, we're going to have anyone in line to to be able to. I mean, I feel like it's on one hand, it's a lovely gesture. It's a it's a really beautiful thing that the club has these events to honor these players. It, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that it's not that it is a beautiful thing and great it also is a little exploitative though of course right yeah using using the the goodwill we have for these players for the public image of the club and so when you look at that slightly darker side of things it's i don't think it's the most important thing but it is there 
once Busquets and or Messi leave, who do you have? Right? Maybe PK. Yeah, exactly. But I also who think you have. I mean, I yeah. I mean, I would say Busquets, right? I mean, or PK, PK probably actually PK. Yeah. But um, you know, like you said, as if I remember correctly, I don't remember that Xavi announced his retirement as soon as Iniesta did. Maybe I, if I if I remember correctly, and I think that's also what kind of led to less celebration. I think everyone kind of knew because of the contract for life, and then everyone kind of just assumed that it was coming in down the road with within next two years or so. So I think that also added to it. But I also just think because of not only Iniesta's role in the team, but also winning the World Cup and everyone loving him. I just think it's just like another level, right? I feel like yeah. Puyol and, and Javi both got really great celebrations. But yeah, like you said, this is definitely a little, you know, and also I just, maybe it's the also just the social media era we're living in that they're just more adapt to putting out these videos more than they were before. And so it kind of feels that they're honoring Iniesta a little bit more. Um, but no, I, I agree with your sentiment about that. It does feel like they are doing that. And obviously they do it for marketing reasons. I mean, we're going to talk about the jersey and veil in a second, but that's another right. another thing. Right. Well, yeah, one final thought on that. I think that, I mean, I, of course, we don't know who's going to leave first or when. Um, and I don't even want to talk about how Messi's going to leave one day and how Messi ages like a human being. That's ridiculous. But <laughs> but in any case, you know, Busquets is going to get a good send off. But let's be honest, Messi is it's going to be like a week long thing. You know, it's going to be like a it's going to be like Festival de Messi. Right. I, I think it's going to be like a month. Even that I mean, could be. It'll be another the month like, of May. Yeah, the month of Messi May, May. would be Messy May or something. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I don't even want to think about it. We'll just, you know, yeah, that's that. Hopefully, that's another ten years or something like that. All right, but on lighter news and more uh, futurism news, uh, <laughs> they uh, they had this amazing farewell event for Iniesta, and then the next day they have this anemic, Correct. awkward kind of like shoddy unveiling ceremony for the new jersey design at the uh the olympic pool yeah i mean what i understand you know i totally understand what they're trying to do right get buzz you know get some more um you know marketing uh I don't know what the word is. Bra- uh, well, they're trying to goose jersey sales because well, they're going on yeah, sale on Monday. I understand that. But at the same time, people were asking me, what's my opinion? You know, on Twitter, they were asking me, what's my opinion on the jersey? And it's like, I don't care. For me, as long as it's not white, I'm fine. You know, I, <laughs> you know as long as it's not white, I'm good with that. For me, I, you know, whether it has 10 stripes that represents the 10 barrios of Barcelona, pff, I don't care. Like, I, it's great. It's awesome. For me, as long as it has the Barca colors, I'm all aboard. Escudo, everything, right? Uh, you know, people love to buy the new jerseys and have the current ones. Great, you know, good for you. But the thing for me, I just love the picture that I have in our notes, right? We have the drone carrying the jersey above Barcelona with the Sagrada Familia in the background and an Olympic <laughs> diver going. So I wonder if before, if before this, they said, how can we make this the most Spanish extreme jersey failing possible and they said olympic divers synchronized divers i'm surprised they didn't bring like a thing of ham out there as well and i have here i have here in the notes the only things that are missing are fireworks in the background lasers a monster truck jumping over sagrada familia and maybe a code red mountain dew i mean i think that would have been like (laughs) the, the epic topic of all this stuff yeah well so for anyone who didn't watch this uh i watched the video of it and it was pretty 
I mean, it was, again, after all that, all the great stuff they did for Iniesta, it was really, really disappointing. The thing you forget about an Olympic pool situation is how, you know, normally when you see it on TV, it's during the Olympics and there's a lot of people around. The The stands are filled with people. There's a lot of athletes all around the uh, the concrete, around the pool. Everything is set up. There's flags and it's dolled up. You rip all of that away and it it could be at I mean there's the diving platform, so maybe it couldn't be at your high school, but like it could be at your college. You know, it's it's not it's not anything particularly special looking, but it does overlook the entire city. So you have this great view of La Sagrada Familia and and the whole town and and all that. But so then they start things off with this synchronized swimming uh, routine, well, right? Before, the synchronized before, before swimming team. Before they started that, they had a freestyle juggler who screwed up. I don't know if you saw oh, that. Oh, right. You had they had free... him on, this, on the diving platform. Yeah, 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 and he dropped the ball a couple times, and I said, oh, my gosh, what is going on here? <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, they go to juggler making mistakes on one of the diving platforms to synchronized swimming routine. And I just don't think I don't think it was a very big crowd for one thing, and I don't think they were super into it. Then they have this high dive, this uh, diver. He's waiting, and he's like in Zen mode, full on Zen mode, like ready to dive. And then this, you know, ex oversized jersey comes up from the you know over the horizon of the pool deck by uh, held aloft by a drone. And here's the thing. It was a little windy. So the the jersey is just flat. I mean, it, they had it framed so that it wouldn't just get all completely tied up. But it's flat. But it's still just just shifting around so that you can't even get a good view of it. And uh, what I was saying to you the other day was that it, it looked like a kite stuck in a tree or something. Yeah. It was just <laughs> really – it was just poor execution. But then they – they brought out oh poor Coutinho man. So they had representatives from all of the areas of football, from the first team to the women's team to the youth teams, and that was nice. But the guy they got for uh, for the men's first team was Coutinho. So he comes out in the new in the new uniform, full uniform. And I got to say, I like the socks on the oh, new uniform because okay. they're striped. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah, I like they have horizontal blue and red stripes, and it's I, I think it's an old timey looking sock. So I like that. But yeah, just what a sad, sad event. I mean, I, I, I get this, right? Like we just talked about the marketing potential and trying to get the flash and trying to get everyone excited for it. But at the same time, no one really cares. They just want the, everyone just wants to see the picture of it more than anything. They don't care about this whole song and dance about it. Right. You know, I would just prefer they just do a quick stage show. Put the you know put the players have them come out really quickly and that's it and say Nike you know and this is what we came up with with the inspiration of this and that's it like just make it really nice and short put it on YouTube just like they did with this unveiling but this unveiling with when I think of extreme Spanish sports you know I think of synchronized swimming you know that's like one of the <laughs> totally things. I mean I feel bad for them because obviously they're just like we just want to incorporate the pool you know obviously because of the scenery in the background but. I mean, come on, just just show us the jersey. Everyone really kind of just posted on Twitter before anyway. Everyone had a hunch. So like you said, I would deem this a little bit of a failure on the marketing team 101. Yeah. So, well, clearly the uh, the top minds were put on the Iniesta project and <laughs> then the interns were put on the jersey unveiling. Yeah, the interns. And this was like their, their senior project and I would probably right. give them a, a C on it or a C minus, right? <laughs> exactly. 
Now, I do have one, a couple of community items, actually, because I experimented this past week with Reddit. Have you heard of it? Um, I hear it's a social media channel. It's something like that. Well, so last week, after we lost to Levante, we noticed that Yerimina was getting a lot of the blame for the loss. So we put the question to you, and we put it on Reddit, should Yerimina go out on loan next year? And we got a lot of responses, but here are a couple of our favorites. Uh, this one was from mpinson93 on Reddit, and he says, I think two options are available. Either commit to playing him versus weak teams often and in unimportant games like next week, so he was referring to the Real Sociedad match, or loan him. He goes on to say, he's shown in his other teams his potential and that he's good. He shouldn't have been thrown into the ring with another rotation center back versus the most informed team in La Liga, in my opinion, after such a small amount of playing time this season. And then the fact Vermelin got injured only made it worse because he was forced to play the game out. He looked like he was panicking or something. I think he'd be okay to play alongside Umtiti or PK versus actual weak teams to start. Or, yeah, maybe just loan to an actual good defensive team where he can get playing time that'll focus on the fundamentals. Fundamentals are king, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, you know, we talked about this briefly last week, but I, I want to keep him. You know, I just think Valver Valverde needs to just do better with rotation, you know? Obviously, we have so many minutes available. He, I like the idea, like, as I said before, pairing him with PK or TT. And then you have him play the weaker games. You know, you just don't have him play two games in six months. You know, you can't have this and expect him to, you know, be average. You know, we saw in today's game against Real Sociedad, he was paired with PK. And guess what? The team was a little bit more focused today than last week against Levante. And look, Yuri Mina didn't look at so bad, did he? I mean, he, he no. looked fine. He looked serviceable. So, you know, I'm just, I don't think he's going to be, you know, the future star center back that we're looking for. But I definitely think, for example, I saw on Twitter that people were saying that they miss, what was the French guy again from the center back? Um, Mathieu. Mathieu, right? So they were saying, we miss Mathieu so much. So ease up <laughs> on that, right? Like, I don't miss him. I prefer Yuri Mina to Mathieu. I think Yuri Mina has better on-ball passing and confidence. I think it just is going to come, and especially with this preseason. So I personally want to see him stay. But I just want to see him more in Copa del Rey matches, more home matches when we know we're playing weaker teams. I mean, I think that really ultimately is the key. We need to use our weaker team at home when we're playing weaker teams uh, at home. I said right. myself. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, you, that makes sense. Yeah. And, you know, there was and the sentiment that we were getting from this this thread on Reddit was pretty much what you were saying. I mean, there were a couple other responses but uh, a lot of them were echoing exactly what, what you're saying right there. One other one that I did want to point out because it reminded me of someone I had forgotten about. Uh, this came from Sekursky on Reddit. And he was saying, bring Marlon back from loan and loan out Mina. And that reminded me about Marlon Santos, who I had forgotten about. Uh, so it turns out Marlon has been, you know, he's been on loan this year at Nice. He's made 22 appearances for them. And I've heard that he hasn't done very well. Of course, Nice haven't done very well overall in the French League. They're eighth uh, in there. But he's made 22 appearances, which means he's seeing time that he would not have had had he been at Barca in Jerimina's position, for example. I mean, obviously, right? Again, this goes back to someone who's been in our youth system. And so people always have this 
connection with this guy, right? With Marlon. For me, I just think let him continue at Nice, you know, and then just keep Yuri Mina. I want to see him with a preseason and a full year and see how he does. I mean, the thing is Valverde really needs to get his rotation down. You know, he really needs to give Luis Suarez some more rest, you know, taper him, um, you know, in the beginning of the year and really unload him for the, for the rest of the season in the second half of champions. And really, I mean, the thing is it's, it's kind of the chicken or the egg, right? It's, is our bench really that weak or is it really they're not getting time? And for this season, I would say they didn't get enough time. A couple times we see him play, they didn't perform, but it's also they're not getting enough time on these weaker games. And so I'm a big proponent, especially in the regular season, especially early, use more rotation, get everyone involved, figure out your pairings of how you want to do the rotation and then go forward with that. You know, like I like to use the the center back pairing, you know, it's always going to be PKMTT for big games. But maybe Umtiti can play really well with uh, Vermalen because they both speak, you know, they can communicate better and then PK with Yuri Mina and use that as uh, almost like a hockey pairing. You know how hockey pairing defenses come in like that? I don't know. I just, I think, you know, next season, I mean, this is Valverde's first season. So he knows now, hopefully, he's got the experience with the Roma match and the Levante match that these players need rest, have faith in the bench. If you win one nothing, you get a tie. It's still good enough. It's such a long season, you know. We're not going to lose those matches against Leganes at home if we use Yuri Mina. Right, and also I'm thinking, you know, with a lot of these players coming back from the World Cup, he's gonna Val Green's gonna have to think very carefully about rotation, particularly in the early part of the season when they're still just coming back from World Cup. Exactly. And the other thing, too, is I don't want to go so extreme like Luis Enrique style, where he just throws out ten players out there that have no. Uh, idea what they're doing right i mean i there has to be dartboard lineups exactly there has to be (laughs) rhyme and reason to it you know have pairings that you see in training that are going to be that going to do well and then go from there you know the thing is everyone wants to you know everyone wants to see the strongest 11 every time and it's just not possible these we have so many minutes and so many games you just can't i mean if we ultimately want to improve on this season get to a better champions we have to use rotation and have faith in the players i believe the players we have are good enough to carry us through the season and use our star players, obviously, for the most important matches to carry us even further. Yes. So thank you to everyone who uh, commented on that thread. Uh, we got a lot of good responses. I just wanted to talk about those two. Of course, we got so many responses that we couldn't you know, go through all of them. But it was a good conversation that occurred on Reddit. The, the R Barca uh, subreddit is a very nice and civil place, which I appreciate. Now, real quickly about um, Barca B, they won again this week, this time over Cadiz, and they are still in danger of relegation uh, with only two games to go. But that is two wins in a row now. So maybe it was um, too little too late, you know, replacing the coach, you know, Um, you know, another good win. But we said, you know, we learned that the Segunda, right, that the last four get relegated. So, so still yeah, where we thought that they were f- sort of close, they're not so close, as it turns out, because the bottom four teams, not the bottom three teams, get relegated to Segunda B. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see what happens. I mean, miracle, baby. You know, <laughs> maybe. They get <laughs> I mean, it is nice points. that, you know, Pimiento takes over and then they they lost the the first game with him, but they've they've won their last two. So yeah. it would be nice at least if they could finish out strong and, and show some good results after the, the management change, even if they still get relegated. Definitely. And I you know, if they get these six points, you never know. There's still, you know, there's still five teams right there in that 
you know, core of the buzz right there. So maybe they get a little bit of luck. You never know. And if they, you know, they, as long as they win, that's all you can ask for. And then hopefully the next season, they'll have some momentum carrying them into um, the beginning of the season. And hopefully they can get promoted again for the following season. So, yeah. And as far as avoiding relegation, you're right. They are only three or four points away from getting out of the relegation zone. And it's a tight, it's a tight race around 17th to 20th place. And yeah. that's where they're at is in 20th right now. So, they could still pull it out, uh, but again, we're not holding out a whole lot of hope for that. We're we're thinking uh, at this point, we have to think a little bit more long term. Hopefully, Pimiento can give them a good season next year, assuming they get relegated, and then another, and then hopefully after that, a good year in Segunda, and see what happens at that point. Now, with FCB Femini, you had an, a, a very very cool interview with Michelle Taylor, who runs an FCB Femini uh, news Twitter account. She posts a lot of good content, and you had a great interview with her. I was very happy to edit this together and learn everything that we learned. And in fact, the interview went so long that we actually cut out a section of it uh, where you and Michelle talk about the team and uh, their performance this year, and you run down sort of the goalkeepers, the defenders, the midfield, really break down the team. Uh, we cut that out of what you're going to hear on this episode of the podcast, but we are going to have that on our Patreon page for free. Uh, but if you do want to become a Barca Talk supporter for $3 a month, you can do that on Patreon. So uh, you can go to patreon.com slash Pod to hear that and uh, potentially become a supporter of the podcast for $3 a month. We've been following the FCB Femini this season, and we want to talk about their season and upcoming Copa de la Reina. I'm pleased to have Michelle Taylor, who runs Barca Women Twitter accounts. Michelle, welcome to Barca Talk. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure to talk about Barca Femini. Yeah, so before we dive into the women's season, I just kind of want to let the listeners know about you and your background information and how you started the Barca Women Twitter account. Sure. The Twitter account was really started to fill a hole in, in the English language, if you like, um, uh, with information about Barca Femini and a broader spectrum of Spanish football, women's football in particular. Um, and, and there wasn't much around, and there still really isn't much. Barca, Barca started their women's account a couple of seasons ago when they turned pro, um, and they're still not really putting a lot of good or detailed information out in English. So that's where I started, why I started up my at Barca Women Twitter account to to fill that hole. And it still is. I really thought I wouldn't be carrying it on this long, but uh, <laughs> unfortunately I have to because there's not, no one stepping up to do that. In, yeah, in okay. So that's, that's interesting, you know, because, you know, Brian and I have been talking about, you know, there's not enough highlights coming out um, soon enough. There's not enough information. Just as um, sometimes I just want to look at the stats of the game. And yep. it's impossible to find, you yeah. know, unless you, unless you know someone that was at the game. <laughs> that, that's right, and and there's not really there's not really much in depth stats um, for Spanish women's league or or for a lot of women, women's leagues. I I think Germany has it, I think France has it, but not a lot of the others do. Um, and so, yeah, so it's very hard to find the info. Yeah, I mean, just this year they updated the La Liga website as yes. a whole like not only the men but the the second the third and now the women so hopefully with that um influx of money hopefully they'll get some more statisticians out to the women's games yeah one would hope so uh, soccer soccer way is probably the one that that gives the the fastest results but they're only really about the goals and but they do give an assists 
as well, which is which is quite handy. But sometimes they're wrong, we found. A nice thing would be for one of those Octohose websites or something like that to step in with some stats. But I think a lot of the clubs are far off that the, their finances won't carry it to the to that extent. Um, maybe if Liga, the Liga does step in and do that, that, that would be nice. But I think they've got bigger things to to sort out and and <laughs> and to get right first before before we start looking at things like that. Yeah, um, and so you know, we I just started following the women this year, and I'm just curious, and I, I imagine a lot of the other listeners are curious as well. Do the women uh, mirror the men, as in style, tactics? And um, what about La Masia? How does that be? How does that integrated with the women's side? Right. Uh, yes, we do. We do. The, the, the women's team does mirror the La Masia um, very well in, in terms of possession-based football, uh, building from the back, triangles, rotation, rondas, that that type of thing, and working the ball to the front to to make some sort of effective attack out of it. In terms of integrating the La Masia players coming in. That's been a bone of contention in the last couple of seasons because we're not really seeing that happen. From Barca B last year, we lost five or six players who are all Spanish national representatives, and there just wasn't the space for them within the first team. Also, there was a bit of an unproven element of to them because, I mean, they're all sort of 18-, 19-year-old players who are doing exceedingly well in their age groups. But whether or not they can make that step up to the senior level is is another thing. So they're all off getting mostly first league experience with other teams right now. For example, on a on your on a is with uh, Madrid, Berta uh, Puchadas is with Espanyol. Um, so they're all out there. Like Alexandre is with Atleti. So they're all out there getting first team experience now. Whether or not they would like to come back to Barca. <laughs> After this is 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 another thing, but uh, that's that remains to be seen. If they want to come back, they'll come back. So Michelle, basically, you're telling me that the women had the same problems as the men's side, right? About the La Masia issue and spots, yeah. yeah. Because this is this is a big point of contention with uh, supporters of the men's side that you know we want to give more opportunities to La Masia, but we are too impatient for that. And we talked earlier about the the plan that the women's side has um, implemented. Can you tell us a little bit more about that five-year plan? Yeah, the five-year plan is really based around Champions League. Um, and, and the idea is within that five, or at the end of the five years, in, in year number five, we would be in the final of, of Champions League. We've had three years go past now, and we're certainly on an upward curve. We've achieved the, the quarterfinals this year, um, and we, we ran into Lyon, unfortunately, um, but that's the way it goes. It's just the luck of the draw. The, the success in Champions League is is coming at the cost, if you like, of the Liga. We've failed to, to win the Liga three times now in a row. Um, and, and that's of concern because you'd like to see the team doing well in La Liga. Uh, it's the most consistent, if you like, result that the team can, team can achieve. Um, and we're, we're just not achieving that right now. So something needs to change in terms of success, su- gaining success in La Liga as well as the success in Champions League, and that's just not happening. The La Masia element of it is we just don't have the proven women in the second teams, if you like, in, in Barca Family B, to be able to come up and, and have them in the team. 
where they're actually playing. Um, and it's one thing to 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 bring them into the team. It's another to give them time on the pitch. And we're just not seeing some of our even more seasoned players in Barca Family A right now getting that time on the pitch. Yeah, and, and that's the thing is that the balance of achieving the trophies and the patience of development of your young players for long term, right? So that's that's always the hardest thing to balance because, you know, I imagine for, the, for you as well, you, you do want Champions League success, but at what cost? Yeah, that's right. And at the moment, it's coming at the cost of La Liga and at the cost of our Barca B players. And, and that's not a, a, an ideal situation for, for anyone. And it's... I really hope that they they try and find a better balance between what's happening for La Liga and and the Champions League. Now, you were telling me that this season is um, the head coach Fran Sanchez's first year. Yes. So, how would you how how do you think he did this year? What are some improvements if you had to you know tell him, yeah. <laughs> suggest highly suggest to him maybe um, what were what are some of the things you liked and some of the things you disliked uh, what he did with the women this year? Some of his subs have been really great. I mean, that, that was one of the things that we did criticize heavily Xavi Llorens for in, in his last, in particular his last couple of seasons was that his subs were just, okay, minute 60, he's going to substitute Alexia off for someone else. And it was pretty predictable, whereas Fran hasn't been that predictable in, in making substitutions for tactical reasons. And, and that's what we've seen. We've seen a lot of um, good subs for, for tactical reasons this year. On the downside, what we haven't seen is, is big rotation within the team. And we do have, we don't have depth of, say, a Wolfsburg or a Lyon, but we certainly have depth within the team to make good rotations in the times that we need it. And this last season has been huge in terms of not only games in La Liga, and La Liga is one of the, well, it has the most games out of all the women's leagues, uh, but we've also had a lot of international breaks where sort of 12 or 13, 14 of our team has been off on international breaks. Um, and we just haven't seen the rotation around those times in particular where they're in international breaks and they've come back, the first team gets played again, all the players that have come back from international break get straight back onto the pitch. And, we're, you know, we're seeing the likes of Olga Garcia, who's one of the mainstays in the women's team, the Spanish women's team, not even getting games. And we all, we're all going, scratching our heads and going, huh, what is this about? You know, how come a player of Olga's, caliber just isn't getting game time it's it's pretty unfathomable as fans we don't we can't get into Fran's head and you know he's certainly not um saying anything about it but it is pretty head scratching when we see the likes of uh, Olga Garcia on the bench uh Linda Rodrig Hansen who is our Danish representative um she's got had one game this year so it's you know it's uh Natasha Andonova who is a fantastic player and can come on and make a huge difference as difference as an impact player just again isn't isn't getting the game time so it's a hard one to to fathom yeah i mean that's that's the thing you know as you were speaking i was just thinking maybe they just need to hire someone uh, maybe like an analytical person to manage the minutes or something to tell because this is a problem for the men and the women it seems like that these coaches just don't realize how many games that they're actually really playing right. because like you said with uh, Champions League, international break, they're playing more than 40 matches yeah. a season easily, you know? Exactly. And especially, as you know, it would be one thing if you don't have the depth. But like you said, the players that they brought in, 
you have the depth to play against, and I hate to always pick on Huelva, but you know teams like Huelva, uh, where they can use a quote unquote B style team to alleviate some of that pressure and to get the points. You know? Huelva was was the game as far as I was concerned. It, that was the game that we should not have dropped points in. We drew one all up with them, um, and we just saw very heavy legs on the pitch. It um, you know it was the game after the Atleti game, and he pretty much put out the same team and. We could see heavy legs. We could see a lack of ideas, um, and it was just—it was—it all just got a bit much for us as fans, as well as well as the players on the pitch. You could just see them going, "Oh God, what do we need to do here? We don't know." And that—that was—that was a big problem. So I think one of the things too, you know, I—I um, I studied sports science at university, so I'm always intrigued by this angle. And when they, when whenever a team brings in a player, they do the tests. You know, they make them yeah. run on the machine. They—they they do all that kind yeah. of thing, and. You know, I'm surprised that they're just not more attentive to in-season management, whether it be for women or men, of these moments. Because, you know, when you watch them, you can physically see with your eyes that they have heavy legs. And you can just accumulation of minutes of, you know, not having enough rest. And so to me, it's just... I think for me, it's a problem that can be easily alleviated and ultimately help with success of achieving the goals that you want, like Champions League or La Liga titles. Yeah, I agreed. And I think really as a coach, you need to start backing your second string, if you like, of players. Otherwise, why have you got them there? Um, and, and there's no reason why the likes of Martin Andrue or Elise Bufaglia or any of those players could be played more often in a situation where we are playing a, a team that should not give us problems. I mean, you have the likes of, say, Saragossa, and unfortunately they've been um, demo, you know, relegated now. Um, but those types of teams where, where historically we, we have big successes and, and, and they aren't teams that trouble us, um, you know, why can't we put out uh, our, our second string, so to speak, our, uh, you know, the players that normally are benched or aren't even chosen for, for the games every week. You know, there's got to be more confidence in, in those players. And if there isn't the confidence in them, why? Is it, is it a coaching issue or is it a player issue? And, you know, if, if it is a player issue, unfortunately, I mean, they, they will need to be moved on. Or if it's a coaching issue, well, that has to be addressed at management level. Do you think that if the coach would have used the B or the substitutions more, do you think they would have been able to capture La Liga this year? Hindsight's a wonderful thing. Yeah, but yeah, I yeah do, definitely. I do believe that we didn't rotate as much as we should have. There were games where we just, you know, where that, I mean, we practically played the first 11 in almost every almost every game that we can. And there were games against some of the smaller clubs where we could have said rested Lika Martins or rested Tony Dugan more than we did or, you know, brought in some of our we don't like to call them second strings because they're all equally important within the team. Um, but some of the players who just weren't receiving enough game time, we could have brought those brought those players in and given our our, um, our first team players more more rest. And we saw a, a, a few games in a row where we suffered because of tiredness. There was uh, the game against Real Sociedad, which we drew um, the law. And we had the game against the Athletic Club, which we lost 1-0. Um, and then I think we had Valencia, and then we had the Atleti, which we drew one all. And then international break, and then off to Sporting Huelva, where 
horrors of horrors, we drew one all with them, and there was just no way we should ever have have lost points against Buelva. But we had the first team on the on the pitch that had just played against Atleti and had an international break. The heavy legs, you could just see, you know, the, the, the concentration wasn't there, the, the physicality wasn't there. Um, it was That was one of the games where we should have rotated. Yeah, I mean, you know, they win at Huelva, they win La Liga. I mean, that's a sign. I mean, I know yeah. hindsight, hindsight, but if we're just looking at the, at the table and just the points, I mean, that's 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 La Liga right there. Absolutely, and, and a lot of people pointed to the Real Sociedad and, and the Betico loss, but those are really clubs that you think, okay, well, we could lose points against them. Those are the clubs where you think, you know, the games where you think, yeah, we could drop points here. Let's look at the games where we shouldn't drop points and, and maximise those. And Huelva was certainly one, if you like, earlier in the season, um, the, the loss, the 1-0 loss away to um, Tenerife was also one where it was, heck, what the heck happened? Unfortunately, that game wasn't televised, so we couldn't really see, see why. You know? <laughs> yeah. But it was like, holy moly, we're losing to Tenerife. What yeah. the heck? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, all these things come into it. And, and you know, when you have 12 and 13 people, players away on international breaks and then you have the likes of the athletic game straight after the international break. That makes it blooming hard for a coach to even start training tactics when they have, she have, he, he has most of his first team away you know, in that, in that week before. Athletic somehow seem to yeah, so let, let's finish off with the Copa del Reina. So, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't know about this at all. I only saw this because I saw you tweet about the schedule and I, and I was yeah. surprised about this. I mean, this is I think it's great um, for the women just, you know, equal uh, tournaments as well. So can you tell me and the listeners um, a little bit about the Copa del Rey format, um, how it's different maybe from the Copa del Rey? Sure. Well, in the Copa del Rey, you have games played throughout the, the, the season, you know, midweek games um, for Copa del Rey. The Copa del Rey is played at the end of the La Liga season. Um, so it's it's normally the top eight teams, the, the, the top eight finishes in La Liga go on to play Copa del Reina. What's happened in the past is that we've had quarterfinal games played on a weekend and then semifinals played sort of midweek and then the final played the following weekend. This year, in all their wisdom, the RAFEF has decided to change the format and the quarterfinals will be two games, two league games, home and away. Um, and then the finals will be played in Reyes in Catalonia uh, next weekend, which is the weekend of what was it, 2026? Um, and then the final will be played in uh, Extremadura. So so what we've got effectively is a Liga season for the Spanish teams ending on June the 2nd. So n- tomorrow uh, it, it, all the teams will play the first leg of the quarterfinals. Wednesday will be the second leg of the quarterfinals and then next weekend will be the semis and then the following weekend will, will be the final. This year it's not I mean, apart from a lot of tired players um, at the end of the season, it's not going to have that much of an impact. Next year, we have the 2019 World Cup in France happening, and that starts on June the 7th. Ooh. Yeah, so there's <laughs> going to be a big conflict, and I don't really know how the RFF is going to cope with this because a lot of this, if, say Spain, and it's looking likely Spain's going to qualify to, to, to go into the World Cup, we're going to have a lot of players who need to be in camp 
at this time. Yeah. Also, having a bit of rest, hopefully, between between La Liga ending and and the camp and the World Cup camps um, taking place. So, I don't really know if I, I doubt they've even thought about it because they they don't think very much over there um, at the IFL. No. But um, no. yeah, I don't. I really don't know how they're going to juggle the thirty league games plus all these extra games for Copa del Reina at the end of the season and have it end effectively in, in time for the World Cup preparations to begin for, for all the players. I mean, I've lived here in Spain for six years, and to know that the RFEF is long term planning does not go no, well at no, all. I mean, no. I mean, they can't I mean, even decide. They can't even decide a Copa del Rey final for the men. I mean, let alone no. how are they going to think about for next year for the World Cup? So, well, th- three weeks ago, we didn't even know when the where where and when the Copa del Rey was played. <laughs> no, so that, that's, that's the planning is yeah, yeah, yeah. non-existent. It's it's just awful. And also, just the zigzagging across Spain. You know, as you said, you know they're, they're exactly. playing Raus and then back to Extremadura, which is very difficult yeah. to get to. It's not yeah. centrally located. It's difficult to get by train. It's just you know right. really really bad plan. And, I mean, and also if you have the likes of Tenerife, well, Tenerife have qualified for Copa del Rey this year. Um, they're in the, you know in the Canary Islands. If they make it all the way, that's three trips across to the mainland. Yeah. The club suddenly has to to do the players have to make, but also the club suddenly has to find find the finance. Yeah, exactly. Because you know FC Barcelona has the resources to to do that, but other clubs right. uh, don't have that luxury. They're going to have to come up with the money somehow. So again, that's that's right. But even for the likes of Barcelona and Atleti, the club Valencia. It's not the finances, but it's the planning. And to, yeah. you know, to not have enough time to effectively plan is always a bad thing as well. So, yeah. yeah, I've learned so much just talking to you in this past hour about the women. You know, I just been watching from afar, trying to watch as many matches, especially with the highlights. Um, so thanks for all the information you've given us. How can our listeners follow you on Twitter? Oh, look, it's been a pleasure to talk and I'll talk till I'm blue in the face about, <laughs> about Barca Femini any time. Um, Easily enough, uh, my, my Twitter handle is at Barca Women, and that's the best way to find out any information. I, t- I tweet mainly about the Barca family, but also a lot about Spanish the Spanish Liga and Spanish women's or, or general women's football. I also mention a, lot, a little bit about the New Zealand team, because, of course, I've, I've got the New Zealand women also in my heart. Yeah, <laughs> Being def- from that part, part yeah of definitely. Um, so definitely check out her Twitter. She always has great information. She's my top two for checking out women's uh, stats. Oh, thank you. Yeah, definitely. Who's because, the other one? Who's the other one? <laughs> uh, just, just the FCB Femini, but they don't oh, do anything, right. you know? They yeah. don't do anything. They so do, I, They don't do much in English at all. No, they don't. Uh, so, yeah. you know, and also just when you have all the, the, the data already updated for us, it helps a lot. So when we prepare for the show, um, just Excellent. to follow up with that. So again, Michelle, thanks for taking the time and I look forward to talking to you again in the future. Oh, look forward to it as well. All right, now before we talk about the Real Sociedad match, I do want to let you know what's going on with us this summer. Uh, This is our last episode for the season, so we're going to take a little bit of a break, but then we will be back on June 18th, just after the beginning of the World Cup, to be a part of the World Cup. Of course, we're going to be taking more of a FC Barcelona-centric take on it. For example, I'm thinking about joining a fantasy league, and if possible, I want to just make all of the players on my fantasy team Barca players and see how they perform. Uh, but we will be you know, talking about the Barca players, how they're doing in the World Cup, and other general conversation about it. But we're going to be focusing on our club and how those players are performing in the World Cup. But also, 
Gabriel, have you made your bracket yet? I have not, but I know that I'm going to pick Spain to win the World Cup. That's for sure. So that's oh, okay. Yeah. So Spain all the way, and then I'm going to tweak and work. I may do two or three bracket challenges, depending on. Am I allowed to do two or three? Uh, if you have different email addresses. So uh, here's what's happening. We're having a, we're having a bracket challenge. If you go to FIFA.com, you can create your own bracket, and we have created a league. If you want to join our league with our bracket, and there are points determined by you know how many correct calls you make, of course, as far as teams going forward, who wins the group, who comes in first, who comes in second, and all that sort of stuff. So if you want to join our Bracket Challenge League, you can go to barsatalk.net and right there on the homepage, we will have a link for you to join our particular league. Now, here's the trick that I'm not such a fan of this, but this is how it is. You have to make your bracket and you can only make it once. Once you make it, that is it. So it's a it's a permanent decision. Um, but you have to make your bracket first, and then you can join a league. Yeah, so we're going to post it. Um, I'm hoping to have it either by Monday or Tuesday. Um, so you fill out your bracket, and then you just submit it, and it'll be entered into the Barca Talk League. And we'll see how good you really are at predicting these games. You know, everyone is a, a football expert, but we'll we'll see, you know, on, with, <laughs> yeah. this, with this uh, tournament, you know. Uh, I'm really excited, Brian. I mean, I... This is my favorite, one of my favorite sporting events of all time, and I'm super jazzed. I'm gonna, especially, you know, we're gonna have a little bit of a break, and then I'm gonna be fired up for this World Cup tournament. Like I was talking to my friend this weekend, I said I cannot wait. I mean, I'm hoping for Spain to advance so I can watch it with the people in the plazas and really be a part of it. So, especially since the United States is not participating, which I still can't get over. But anyway, I know. Well, it's a, it's a bizarre world cup, right? No Italy, yeah. no, no yeah. Netherlands. Yeah. No USA, which yeah. is mainly just a drag for us. But. Yeah, it is a drag. I mean, I, well, I'm, you know, like I was watching or I was talking to someone. Oh, yeah, I was, when I was, on, I was on a uh, Brazilian football podcast the other day. Uh, talking about yes. Coutinho. Canary in blue, right? Yeah, Canary in blue. And so we were talking about the Brazilian players on FC Barcelona. And um, we were looking at their group and, you know, they have Costa Rica in their group. And I was just like, that should be the United States, you know? And I just, again, it just makes me sad because the United States, you know, they should do better. Um, but anyway, I'm really excited, Brian, for the World Cup. As am I. <laughs> but for now, let's let's talk about this final match of La Liga Against Real Sociedad, we wound up winning it one nothing. Match day thirty eight, and of course, to follow was the Iniesta farewell. But let's talk about the game itself uh, as much as we can. So, it was there really wasn't much to talk about. I mean, there wasn't. There wasn't. The game sucked. I mean, and neither team had anything to play for. Real Sociedad was safe in the mid table. We had already won the championship weeks ago, I, and. Valverde didn't even start Messi, and I really realized, you know, part of the reason that certain moments have maybe not gone so well for us is that our entire game has revolved around Messi this year. And, you, you know, like you see how how instrumental he was in that comeback in the league against Sevilla. And then you look at how we were playing today. One, there's probably not a whole lot of motivation, right? Because there's nothing to fight for on either side. So it wasn't a particularly contentious match. But then also you realize how just how much of the team has revolved around Messi this year, so much so that we can barely score when he's not on the pitch. Eh, I mean, I I agree a little bit, you know. I mean, obviously, you know, Messi carries the weight of, you know, the majority of our goals this season. Um, however, 
Um, you know, obviously Coutinho scoring in this match. I think, I think more than anything, especially this match, this is really not an indicator of the season just because it was almost a glorified exhibition match. You know, I have here on my notes, right? You have in-game notes, and I just say, this game sucks, right? Like, yeah. it's, it was exhibition and Iniesta's last match. So for me, I'm just kind of watching it, and, you know, none of the players are slide tackling, really. No one's really kind of giving – because no one wants to get hurt before the World Cup. So you yeah. had that going into it. So I don't think this game is a really good barometer of how dependent we are on Messi. I'm just hoping that, you know, the season coming up when Messi's not playing – that we go with a more balanced attack going forward, you know, with three people in the attacking front, Dembele, Suarez, and Coutinho, something like this, you know, to give more opportunities to our team to score and not be so messy dependent. But, you know, obviously Messi is huge. He, you know, with his passing, his playmaking, and obviously the goal scoring, hopefully, um, you know, Valverde will let him rest a little bit more this upcoming season. Um, and hopefully we'll get more balance. You know, I posed the question on Twitter, you know, how many goals do you think Coutinho scores next season? Yeah, and well, and then you said 20, and I think that's totally reasonable. He could he could do more. Exactly. So when was the last, you know, midfielder type player? I mean, he's going to have a mixed role, right? We saw tonight he was up in the 4-3-3 as an attacking type of winger, um, but a lot of times he's going to play midfield. And when was the last time we had, like, a really good midfielder scoring more than 15 goals? I mean, that's a really... I'm, I'm thinking maybe in the early 2000s, something like this, you know, I don't know with Deco, <laughs> if you yeah, maybe. consider uh, a right midfielder or left midfielder. So, um, you know, hopefully with the, you know, with the complete season and hopefully if Suarez can recoup his some form, you know, of just getting another 25 goals and we have 25, 20, another 25 by Messi, you know, that's a pretty balanced scoring team that we won't have to be so dependent on Messi going forward. Because like you said, Messi needs to rest, and we need to have more balance going forward, especially if we have Griezmann. That's just going to be another uh, bullet in the chamber. And another thing that I would like to see, and I don't have anyone in mind, but if we ro- if we want to really see a 4-3-3, and I don't know that Val Green is necessarily committed to that idea, but if we want to see a 4-3-3, we need a left winger, right? Because now we have Dembele on the right, and he's really strong there. But And we can put Coutinho on the left in a forward position, but I think he's going to serve us better as an attacking left mid. I would still love to have a really out-and-out left winger. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm – nah, I don't, I don't really no. like that now. Because – well, this is the thing. If we get Griezmann, right? Griezmann. If we get Griezmann, <laughs> you know, what type of formation are we going to play? You know, we're not going to go in 4-3-3 most likely. We'll probably do, you know, Suarez and him up top with Messi behind. So that's the, you know, like as the playmaking kind of floating. Um, And then you have the three back with Coutinho, uh, Busquets and Rakitic, you know. So I don't think that's a really a a necessity per se to get that left wing, uh, especially if we bring in Griezmann, because now all of a sudden we have a little bit more depth. Dembele can get a little bit more uh, we can have some more patience with him he doesn't have to out start every match you know um, and also Coutinho has that flexibility of not only going the left wing in that 4-3-3 but he can also uh, fill the void as the left midfielder so it's you know bringing Griezmann is going to give us a lot more flexibility I don't think we need that winger we have the speed on the right Coutinho is pretty quick with the ball so I don't think we need to get I mean Obviously, Brian Dreaming's free, right? So, I mean, right. maybe not, it depends on who they get, right? But I think with our team going forward, you know, we just have to make a minor tweaks. Gomes out, I would say. And, you know, I would say that's about it. Maybe Alcazar going out as well. 
and you know, well, especially with Griezmann coming in, exactly. Like, where and, does Paco have room? You know, yeah, yeah, and and Alenia coming in. I mean, that's going to be really exciting as well. So, again, it just all comes to rotation, dividing the minutes. I mean, get a statistical analysis person in there and just divvy the minutes. I mean, it's not hard, not hard. Yeah. Well, so speaking of Coutinho. That goal, though, that goal he scored in the 57th minute was a golasso. Was it? No, I'm just kidding. It was. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It I was don't a, know about that. No, it was a nice. I've seen better. No, no, it was a, it was a golasso, right? And, the, you know, the way he flicked it, too, and just pinged off the, off the post, that is his patented shot, you know, cutting into the right, hitting with his right foot. And that is such a nice luxury to have, especially when you have Messi and Suarez. And if we have Griezmann firing all cylinders what is the defense going to cover so he's like i said i think he's definitely going to he could score more than 25 goals next season with a full season he scored as someone pointed out on twitter to me he scored 24 this year in total with liverpool and barca and man he had a hat trick last week he scored again tonight uh you know we'll see and you know for the brazil national team he's an important player he'll get confidence from that and man i'm really excited for the season coming up for him, just for what he's going to bring, the depth on our midfield and also the Champions League and La Liga run. Yeah, and I think that also in this game, uh, I think that Denny's coming in. He had some really nice moments. He had some good shots, um, not some not so good shots, but uh, I think that I, I really want to see more of Denny's next year. Dennis. Denny's. Denny's. Man, he screwed up that shot so bad, you know, in the 68th minute. It was just such a duff. Yeah. And he's done that a couple of times this year. He really needs to work on those one-on-one moments because he's had a couple of them this year, which would have really helped us in matches just to give more of that breathing room that we like to have. And I like giving him the opportunity. I know he's not the the greatest midfielder. I know there's other midfielders we can get uh, through free agency, through transfer market. But I, I feel like... Give him one more season and see what we can do, especially if you give him another, let's say, you know, 200 minutes throughout the season. Let's see what he can really do. Because remember, there was that gap, when was that, January to March, where he didn't even see any playing time. So, um, again, it just really all comes down to, again, like we've been talking, again, the rotation. I've seen I've seen rumors for both, Brian. I've seen both that he's going to go and he's going to stay. So you obviously want him to stay. I kind of want him to stay. I think also just for the budget purposes, He's a nice priced player, um, and I think that he would get along really well with Elena. I think they're both young, and they can kind of help each other out uh, being on the senior team. Yeah, and I wonder about this whole deal with uh, with Man City, about how every 10 times or every time Denise makes 10 appearances, we have to pay them 100,000 euro or something. I wonder what the details of that are, if that's expiring anytime soon. I don't know the, the deal, and presumably that was why he didn't see as much playing time this year, because they were trying to save a little bit of money. Yeah, exactly, and you know, we, we're going to know in, in the first couple of weeks exactly what the board is thinking with um, the movement of our players, right? Because then all the tr- the rumors are going to come if Gomes is going, if uh, where Alcazar is going to go and, and this type of thing, and obviously bringing in Griezmann. So good thing about the World Cup is it kind of diffuses those transfer rumors for a good month, you know? Yeah. We, you know, last season, it was just it just seemed like every day there was something coming out. And so at least the World Cup kind of pushes that to the to the back and you know we only have about two months of transfer chaos i would keep denny's and um you know i would lose gomes and paco alcazar for sure all right my friend well i think we did it i think we made a podcast episode 
Last one of the season. We did. The last one of the season, we did. It was a, it was a great season. Uh, we won the double. I mean, especially from the beginning of August. Man, with such chaos that ensued, and we were able to have that unbeaten streak, unfortunately, the Roma debacle. But I think overall, I'm very, very pleased with the season and obviously the legend that is Iniesta leaving the club. Uh, sad about that. But overall, just a really good season, you know, up and down, just like everything. But mostly and up. we survived it. Mostly up, mostly up. And we survived it, Brian. So good job. High five. Virtual high five. So, but stay tuned for our World Cup episodes coming out starting June 18th. And I would highly recommend if you're interested in the women's team to go check out the uh, special bonus footage from uh, Gabriel's interview with Michelle Taylor at patreon.com slash Barca Talk Pod. Barza Talk is written by Gabriel Quiroga and myself, Brian Henderson. The show is edited by Brian Henderson, and the music is also by Brian Henderson. Gabriel Quiroga is our promotion and social media manager, which means this is a two-man show. Go ahead and be a part of it. Give us your comments, questions, topics you'd like us to discuss. Visit barzatalk.net and find the contact page or one of our social media channels. And if you want to support the show, click on the support tab at barzatalk.net to do that. Remember to subscribe, rate, review, and spread the word about Barca Talk. Until next week, I'm Brian Henderson. I'm Gabriel Quiroga. And this is Barca Talk. Thanks for listening. Visca Barca. Visca Barca. I eat like a pro. Do you eat like a pro? I eat like a pro. Do you eat like a pro? (laughs) Sports Social Podcast Network.